0: For me, the scariest stories that you'll ever hear are the ones told by police officers, particularly when they are told to other coppers. Why? Because every police officer knows what the other had to put up with and go through just to be in the job. With only a few years under your belt as a copper, you will have seen and heard enough crap to have more than enough stories to tell. Nobody gets a boring ride in this job, I can tell you. So when a copper sits you down to tell you a story that isn't the -the run-of-the-mill good-guy-bad-guy stuff and goes a bit outside what most people would think could be true, you know they're not winding you up. Trust me, there is nothing scarier than hearing stories from people who have no reason to make stuff up. Coppers have enough stories already. Their stories are scary because when they tell you something weird, most of the time you believe them. The creepiest one I ever heard was told to me by a fella named Joe. Originally from Glasgow, but now working a little further south, Joe was a laugh a minute, hard as nails, but always ready to approach any situation with a smile. He was the kind of fella you hoped you would end up on shift with, which I regularly did for the better part of six years, until one day when Joe stopped coming to work. When I asked what happened to him, why he seemed to have just disappeared off the roster along with another lad named Robbs, all I got told was that the pair of them quit. Joe came back to the station one night, about four hours late from clocking out with the resignation letters from Robbs and one from himself. For about a week, a rumor went around that the pair of them had been scrapping with each other and that they'd quit rather than going up on a gross misconduct charge. That never seemed right to me because Joe wasn't the kind to fly off the handle and get angry, particularly with another officer. I gave it a week, during which no better answer was forthcoming, and then I called him. When he didn't answer, I called again, and again, and again, until finally about three weeks later, he picked up the phone and answered. At first, I tried to joke with him accusing him of skipping off and leaving me with some of the more boring bastards that we both had to work with. But when he didn't return the laughter, I changed tack and told him honestly that I was worried about him. He'd been a mate for nearly six years, and I wondered what had gone on. In response, he said he couldn't talk about it, but that maybe me and him could get together for a pint the following Friday, which I took to mean that he'd tell me later and not over the phone, which of course he did. That was where the scary story came in. Meeting Joe in the pub was like meeting a stranger. I mean, he looked the same, but he was a totally different person. Gone was the smile on the rosy cheeks, the cheeky twinkle in his eye. Now he looked tired, worn out, as if he hadn't slept in weeks. Maybe I thought later, because he hadn't. What Joe told me wasn't a ghost story or some nonsense about monsters. But it does go beyond what most people would be willing to believe was possible. He started by asking if I'd ever been to a particular address at a place called Bolton Road in Morton, a town about 30 or 40 minutes from the city. I said that I hadn't and with something close to tears in his eyes. He gripped my hand and made me promise that if I was ever sent up there on a job, I would refuse or make up some excuse not to go. When I asked why, Joe became very quiet and then after sinking his pine in a whiskey chaser one straight after the other in two swift movements, he began to tell me about a night a few weeks earlier. We'd been called to check out these weird noises at the old warehouse on Bolton Road in Morton. Someone had phoned up and said there was an animal trapped in there, which as far as I'm concerned, should have been a job for the RSPCA. But then some numpty had phoned up and said it was like a crack den or a dealing house or something. It should have been a job for the local constabulary. But because they'd mentioned tons of drugs, some higher up decided the city police needed to be involved. As if we're going to find Pablo Escobar sitting on millions of cocaine in some ratty warehouse in Morton. Anyways, we was sent up there and told to have a look around, so we did. Me and Rob's. The place was totally boarded up except for one or two places where the boards had either come off or been pulled off which basically made me think the noises were coming from some homeless person who had just broken in to get out of the weather. So, we goes inside with our torches and we're wandering around these long corridors with doors on either side. Must have been the office space or something. When Robs hears a noise coming from the end of the corridor and just speeds up to go off and have a look. You know what some fellas are like. He's a bit too keen, you know. So anyway, He disappears around this corner, and I follow him, but then, that was it. He was gone. Like one minute he was there, the next minute he wasn't. Just vanished like something you'd see in a magic trick. At first, I thought he was playing silly buggers with me, but I shouted out for him, and I didn't get anything back. It was like he'd never been there. So obviously, I'm a bit freaked out by this, and carry on walking around calling his name when I hear screaming right on the other side of the warehouse. I run across as fast as I can, but by the time I get there, there there's nothing. Not only that, but there's dust everywhere and only my footprints, so he couldn't have been there. Give it a second, and he starts screaming again. Only this time, it's coming from the other side of the warehouse, so I sprint over again, like it's some kind of game of hide and seek. By this point, i'm really starting to get scared i mean i'd worked with robs before he was a nice bloke but not the kind for playing practical jokes or winding people up plus there was something about the scream it wasn't a shout not a i'm over here kind of thing it was a scream a proper terrified scream made by somebody who was absolutely frightened out of their wits you hear something like that and suddenly creeping about in the near dark in some old warehouse seems far more intimidating than it might sound. Initially, I ran from place to place, but after a while I stopped, slowed down, and tried to search the place more thoroughly and slowly, only calling out to Rob's every few minutes and never getting anything like a real reply. After about an hour and him screaming over and over and me not finding him, I was about to call at him when I turned around and he was there. Only it wasn't him, I mean, not how he was. Honestly mate, I can't explain to you, but he was old, like 20 or 30 years older. At first I didn't recognize him and thought maybe this was one of those homeless people I'd suspected of being in there or some mentally ill person. Then I looked again and I could see it, it was him, but older, far, far older. His face looked like it had fallen in on itself and he was staring at me with these mad wild eyes. What the hell happened to his uniform or his gear? I don't know, but he was naked. His hair was long and he had this beard down to his belly button, all gray. I mean, how does that happen? How do you grow all that decades worth of hair in less than an hour and go completely gray? It's impossible, but that wasn't the worst of it. His body had these scars all over, big raised scars like pink snakes or worms, all over on his back, his ribs, his legs. Thing is, though, they weren't cuts. They had healed and scarred a long time ago. He was in tatters, just sat there shaking and rocking backwards and forwards. All he kept saying was, It's been years and years. I've been lost in there for years. I rang an ambulance and got him taken to the hospital. When they finally let me see him, the doctors refused to believe he was who I said he was. They kept saying it was impossible. He was asleep for a long time, but then he woke up. I told him I was finished as a copper, that I'd seen enough and that if he wanted to hand his papers in, all he had to do was sign at the bottom, which he did. I handed him in later that day, and out. That was the last Joe ever said on the subject. Rob's dies a week later after pleading with doctors and anyone who would listen for them to shut off the warehouse before anyone else got lost in there. He also kept repeating over and over, there's something else in there. You can't let it out. You can't. A few days after Rob's death, the warehouse on Bolton burnt to the ground. The fire brigade suspected arson, but nobody was ever charged. If I was a better policeman, I guess I'd tell them who I suspected of starting the blaze, though of course I never have. In my mind, he clearly had his reasons, and no reason at all, to lie.